Hello, welcome to the Knowledge Share with Dr. Dave podcast. This is your facilitator, Dr. Dave Cornelius. Knowledge Share with Dr. Dave is streamed on grokshare.com and broadcasted on iTunes, Spotify, and Google Play. I want to encourage everyone to find their awesomeness. It is a choice. Let's begin your learning experience to achieve your awesomeness. Um, back out to, um, okay, so you're picking up. So we're published back out on the Now Share with Dr. Dave podcast. So we're, you, it's going to be found on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify. Um, it's also shared on social media. So the Agile Alliance take this recording and spit it back out, right? Back, back out to its 60,000 plus or more members. Um, once a month while well, we, we send this out. Um, we always talk about upcoming events. Um, October 10th through the 11th, we have the Agile Open California in Berkeley. I've been there many times. Um, it's great fun. A lot of great people who are connected, doing amazing things out there. Um, also, October 19th, we're going to be at the 10 West Festival. And we have a friend coming in from California who's going to be presenting at the 10 West Festival. And I believe everyone who comes to this event could attend that event for free. Um, we want to just give a, a big shout out to our sponsors, Agile Alliance, Scrum Alliance, and Knowledgeshare, um, which contributes to allow this webinar and this activity to continue each month. So let's look at who's coming up um, in October. So we have, you know, my friend um, Alicia McLean, who's coming out here from uh, Southern California. She runs the Agile Coaching Exchange. And her topic is this, you're talking about coaching, the secret sauce to building a culture of accountability. So that's great fun. I've known Alicia for quite some time and um, it's really fun. Um, in November, we'll have um, another great event coming up. We're trying to put the CIO CTO forum, talking about the role of agility in digital transformation strategy. Um, really, and if we can't find enough CIOs or CTOs, then I'll just present. Or maybe I'll wrangle a few people to present, right? Um, so I, I try not to present too much in this forum and, and be more of a facilitator. But if that's the case, then we'll, we'll do what we have to do to make things work. And look who's here today. Bat Farmer Anderson, uh, who works at Raytheon. And the topic, um, the scale and dilemma, is there one best way? And so Barbara's going to give us some insights about Scrum at Scale as well as the Scale Agile Framework. But let me really give Barbara a proper introduction. Um, so Barbara Anderson is an experienced Agile coach and trainer with hands-on experience as lead Agilist on a large defense program for the Navy. She has consistent Agile transformation success from traditional managed environments, helping teams discover how to innovate, adapt on Agile mindset, and accelerate the delivery of value she has experienced coaching both teams and customers to col collaborate using the Scrum framework. She's, she is gifted in coaching Scrum masters and product owners in their journey as servant leaders. In addition to being a certified Scrum at Scale trainer, she is a certified Scrum professional, a certified Agile framework program consultant with extensive experience as an effective change agent and communicator. So we're going to listen to Barbara today. We're going to record what she has to say and I'm going to stop sharing and we'll turn this over to Barbara and you're going to give us something really fun and that we're going to enjoy. I know we will. 
I, I just know that. So, um, Barbara, it's all yours. So you can start sharing whenever you want to, and and um, we're recording to the cloud just to let you know. Well, I want to introduce you to the idea that um, we don't do agile. We are agile, right? Agile is not something you do. And the things on the left are things people do to make them feel like we're going faster. Things like um, filling up the time boxes and, and reducing slack time. And I was just talking with Dave on my way in here. And one of the ways that I allow myself and my teams to be more agile is to increase our slack time, which seems counterintuitive. But if you're constantly filling up your time, you have no way to, to react and to take advantage of change as it's coming up. So I, I, I love this, this list by John Cutler uh, because it is so true. And I think a lot of you will look at things on the left and say, yeah, yeah, that's what we're trying to do. And, what we want to do, we want to get to the things on the right. So, being agile versus doing agile. Um, I work for a large defense company, and believe me, it's difficult to get people into this new agile mindset. And it really is a way of approaching everything. And I find that people who have that agile mindset, it starts leaking into every part of their life. When I first was introduced to this whole approach to work, I was very fortunate to be trained by Jeff Sutherland, who's the creator of Scrum. And I suddenly realized, oh, the nonprofit I work with, we could be doing this using Scrum. And then at home, my husband was, he had so many things in his head all the time and so many PowerPoints. And I said, what if I helped you make all your work visible and organize it for you so that you could prioritize and decide what is it that I want to work on now? And I tried to help him stop that multitasking effort that we all think we have to get better at, which we know is actually a myth. Multitasking hurts your brain and makes you dumber. And you can Google that, and you can find studies that will show you that. So what we want to do, we want to have this agile mindset, which is a way of uh, small iterative development where you learn and you get feedback, and it creates a better product in the end. This whole idea of these small iterative cycles, rather than trying to plan out, out a huge uh, event or a huge project. Um, I always liken it back to, you know, getting things, getting dinner ready, you know? I don't sit there and plan down to the, to the minute everything I'm going to do to create this Thanksgiving dinner, but I have an idea of when I need to start, and I start doing those small things inviting people, then I know how many people I've got, then I know how much food to buy. So I learn from these small iterative chunks of work. The same holds true in whatever work you're doing. And it isn't just IT, it isn't just software. We're actually seeing it effect, very effective in hardware development. Um, many defense country, companies are now adopting this way of work uh, so that what we end up with is what the customer really wants. So on the left, under the agile mindset, I have some frameworks that you might recognize. Uh, Scrum, Kanban, XP, which is extreme programming out of uh, software. Scaled Agile Framework, Safe, and Scrum and Scale. And on the right, I have practices that a lot of people are very familiar with. They understand that oftentimes when I talk to people in the defense industry, and they say, "Oh yeah, we're doing we're doing Agile," and I say, "Oh, how do you how do you do this?" They go, "Oh, we have a daily stand-up, period." And then you know, it's like we're Agile now. Woo! So uh, no, there's tons of practices. 
And what I have found is that uh, when we first started in the early 2000s adopting this way of working, we had purists who thought, oh, you have to be strong, or oh, you have to use Kanban, or whatever. And, and we started finding that by learning about all the different frameworks, we were able to pick practices from all the different frameworks and see what worked for us to improve our own agile deployment. And this stems back to a, 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 a karate, it's a martial arts term, I don't know if it came out of karate. Come from Aikido. Aikido? Aikido, the dancing art. I'll give a, a shout out to Martin Fowler for aligning this with agile as well. There's the Shuhari approach in martial arts, and we want to do the same thing with being agile. The shoe is where you learn from the master and you stick to, you're very orthodox in following that particular um, set of uh, values and principles and, and practices. And once you get really good at that, then you start looking at things outside, uh, what other things are happening in other frameworks maybe. That's the ha. That's like you start looking at, oh, that's a great idea. Maybe we could try it in our own agile uh, deployment. And then where you really want to end up is at this restate where you understand the principles and values so well that you're able to develop your own new innovative approaches. So we did this with team level, but it seems like we don't do this when we scale. And so I just want to talk about here were the agile tribes where people were purists and they adhere this is an eye chart sort of but hopefully these slides will be available after yes they're, they're distributed as a part okay. of the webinar uh, yes so this came out of um, the agile alliance one of our sponsors and you'll see that there's a lot of overlap and we found that people were starting to pick up practices as they worked with their own organizations so let's first talk about um, what is what the value of being agile? And I always try to center discussions and, and planning sessions around what's the value we want to achieve. Um, so let's look at what are the values of being agile? Well, some of the characteristics of agile teams is that we have higher quality because we're building quality into every step. We don't call something done unless it's fully tested and is working in our system. Um, and the, the product works as we expect it to. So that's kind of the verification part. And then we have higher customer satisfaction because we're showing the customer the product as it emerges. And this is kind of the validation step. Are we building the right thing? Uh, I know when I was, I was a, I've had a lot of different uh, careers. I was a graphic designer and I was working on something for a customer. And I worked really hard for three months. I knew exactly what they wanted and talked about it a lot at the beginning. And then I came and I presented it to the customer. I'm so excited that he's like perfect. And he takes a look at it and he steps back and he goes, huh, <laughs> it's not something you want to hear out of the mouth of your customer, right? I was like, oh my gosh. He goes, he gave me exactly what I asked for. But you know what? It's not what I need. Yeah. And I think a lot of people have had that experience, and it is demoralizing to teams who might work nine months or a year. And then they show it to the customer, and the customer will say, yeah, you gave me what I wanted, but you know, I was counting on your expertise. This doesn't look like it's actually going to work the way I need it to, and so I wish you'd talk to me. 
Because if I know it was actually going to do this, I would have given you some feedback. So that's, I, I love to talk to customers who are a little bit nervous about, oh, this company that is, says that they're an agile company, what can I expect? I say, you can expect to be involved and to get feedback and to get exactly what you want at the end. So as a customer, you should be absolutely demanding agile development. Uh, we get faster ROI because what we're doing is, when we approach work in an agile way, we attack the high-risk, high-priority items first. What is really important to the customer? What are things that we really need to learn at the beginning that will help inform our later decisions? We do that, and so at any point in time, we might actually get to a shippable product the customer says, you know what, I don't need that other stuff now. I need this right now, especially in the defense industry, what we're finding is that we get to a point where they say, you know, that's exactly what our war fighter needs right now. This will save lives tomorrow if we get it out in the field. And so we are able to do a quick, formal qualifying test, and we can then ship it out because we have uh, confidence that it works. And we've put in the most important things. Uh, so we, I've already talked about this, early risk reduction. We really look at that. We don't leave it to the end picking well, we'll figure it out by the time we get to the end. How many of you have been on a larger uh, development and you think, oh yeah, we have to figure that out. Yeah, we have to figure that out. And you know it's there, but you keep thinking when you get later in your development, it'll just suddenly you know, resolve itself. It, it doesn't. We end up with this huge risk at the end. So, does this scale? What do you guys think? I don't see why not, right? Why, why can't it scale? So when we're scaling Agile, we still want that higher quality. We still want products that work as expected. We still want customer satisfaction that we're providing the right product. And we want faster ROI especially. Why not at a corporate or enterprise level? We really want to reduce our, our risk early. Get that out of the way. So what if we apply this Shuha re-approach to the way we scale as well? Let's not be uh, in different corners of how we scale. So what, I, what my philosophy has always been is learn as much as you can about how others do things. You know, be a learner, be curious, be interested. Do not ever think, oh, we figured it out because there's always a better way. So there are four Main scaling frameworks, there's lots of others, definitely. Good question? What do you mean by scale? What do I mean by scaling? Great question, exactly. So, say we have one scrum team that's just doing great, and our, our product is large enough, our, our development, where we need more than one scrum team. Well, we create another scrum team, they have a little different part of the product development. And we keep creating scrum teams until if we have a system that is really large, we might have 20 scrum teams. Even if you get over two scrum teams, when you have, when you have three scrum teams that are working together to deliver the same value, there's, there's going to be some kind of coordination and some synchronization. So what scaling does, what scaling is talking about is as we grow from one team, maybe 20 teams, maybe to an entire enterprise or company. How do we take that framework and those practices that we know as Scrum or Kanban or XP, however we are adopting an agile mindset at the team level, how do we do that now at the big company level? 
Does that make sense? Okay. Uh, do you think I've answered your question? Okay, great. So there are uh, lots of people who don't. Yeah. It's my experience too. I've seen where people build teams around the product. But then you walk into an IT shop and you have perhaps six teams working on one single application. That's a whole different ballgame. Yes. From a coordination standpoint. Yeah, yes. And that happens both ways, right? Yes, both, both ways. ways. Um, oftentimes we find in traditional development, we have teams like we'll have a hardware team and we'll have a software team, and we'll have a systems team that develops the whole system, and then we'll have supply chain, and we'll have a quality organization, and they're all siloed, and the, the, the development has to go through each of these silos to get to the end. And what we would like to do is say, let's create teams where we have everything needed to provide the value on our team. We don't have to wait for the quality person to be available to come check some box because they've been developing along with us and they see how it works. So the, the four main scaling frameworks, and we'll talk a little bit about all of them, but we're going to talk mostly about Scrum and Scale and SAFE because those seem to be the most popular. Um, and I'm certified to vote for both of them because I think they will have something to offer There is Scrum and Scale, there is Scale Agile Framework, which is SAFE, there is Nexus, which is the bottom left corner, and there is Less, which is large-scale Scrum in the bottom right. A large-scale Scrum also has an idea of less huge, where they actually can scale to thousands of people. Um, so let's look at Less, large-scale Scrum. This is a scaling framework that has some mechanisms for teams to collaborate and synchronize. Um, what happens is they first uh, get together and do planning at the large team level. We call that sprint planning one. And then each of the teams take what they've learned from that sprint planning one and they go off and they create their own team plans in alignment with that plan that they've done all together. Um, they go in all of their swim lanes. You can see they're all working together. And you'll see the lines that connect with the swim lanes. So there's collaboration and coordination between the teams. In the middle, we do backlog alignment, we get to the end, we call a sprint review, and you'll notice it's a large block. So it's a sprint review where we show the system. We don't show individual team accomplishment, we show what have we done for the system, and then we go into what we call a retrospective, which is a time. So the sprint review is where we improve our product, get feedback. We see and we let people know this is what we've accomplished. We're really excited to show this to you and get feedback on it. That feedback goes back into our backlog. And then what we do is we try to improve our teams and how our teams work together. Um, and this is one of the most important parts of being agile is the ability to stop and reflect on how are we doing and how can we do things better. So we have our perspectives at the team levels. The teams think. What did you like about what we just did? What, what, what worked for us this last iteration or sprint? And then what could we do better? And out of these retrospectives, they come away with one concrete idea that they know that if they put in place will help them improve as a team. And we call that the Kaizen. So once the teams hold their retrospectives, we're going to get together as an entire program to share common improvement ideas where we can pull together one thing that I hate 
more than anything is duplication of effort. Uh, I, I, I think that's the worst sin in my mind. Even rework isn't so bad because you learn something by mistakes, right? I think sometimes we learn more about our product with our failures sometimes than in our successes. So what we want to make sure is that one team isn't improving in an area where another team is doing the parallel efforts. Let's pool our, let's pool our efforts and do it together. And that's what this final retrospective uh, allows you to do in less. And then you get ready for the next sprint. Um, one of the things that I find a little concerning, and one of the reasons I haven't really embraced less, is that you have one product owner over all the teams. And um, in my experience, uh, most of our teams have problems because they don't have enough of the product owner's time. Especially in the defense industry, we often overload our product owners with financial responsibilities, with functional responsibilities, and with the, they, they go and they do game reviews on other products. And so we've always said, we want to go to a model where there's a dedicated product owner for each team. Um, the product owner is also the voice of the customer for the team. And in less, they say they, that each individual contributor should be interacting with the customer themselves. And I, I think this has value in some circumstances where you might want your teams interacting directly with your customers. In a larger company, um, that might not work so well. So, question? No, just wanted to make a comment that um, Les also uses the context of proxy or co-product owner or sub-product owners who could participate in the process of uh, acting as a rep for right. a customer. Just, yeah, it's not just a single product owner, but it's a single product owner who has a, a, a bigger view of everything, but he has subs who... But who not, to, not to the extent of a chief product owner with sub-product owners, I don't think, when I read their literature, but yeah. I could be wrong. And, and you know what, as we go through these four frameworks, yeah. you're going to see they yeah. all have things in common. We're going to get to that as well. So uh, Nexus uh, was designed by Kent Schlager, who is also a co-creator of Scrum with uh, Jeff Sutherland. And I actually talked to Jeff, uh, I was with him for a week back in April, and I was asking him about the development of these scaling frameworks. And he said, yeah, me and Ken um, had thought about releasing a scaling framework together, but they had, um, Jeff wasn't quite ready. I think he, he's one who likes to really go in and use careful data and study and piloting. And Ken wanted to get something out because he saw a lot of bad scaling. And so Ken decided to create um, Nexus, which is very much like Scrum. I mean, if you look at the diagram, it looks a lot like Scrum diagrams. Where it differs is that you have this idea of a Nexus team um, that is going to be kind of a leadership team, a systems team, as you, as you would maybe if you're familiar with SAFE. Safe, yeah. um, and so this Nexus meets daily and then go, each of the people in the Nexus, we have representatives from each team, then go with their own team daily standups. And we have, again, just like Les, we have a combined review. So uh, Nexus is another thing you can look at. Ken, it says this is for software teams. He, you know, he did not design it for anything but software. It doesn't mean you can't use it outside of software. He also says it's limited to about nine teams. So he, uh, he has actually a very interesting video where he's uh, he hasn't been sold on the idea of being able to scale all the way to the enterprise level. 
he believes at that point the enterprise is so large it's, it's kind of hard to scale agile. You might need to come up with a different approach. So I urge all of you to go out to uh, the website for Nexus and, and listen to his uh, video. It's just a completely different point of view from a lot of the other people out there with scaling frameworks. Um, next, we have Scrum at Scale. Uh, I probably should have presented SAFE first in the order of uh, chronology, but uh, Scrum at Scale was developed by the other co-creator Scrum, Jeff Southerly. Um, and it has, uh, it's like Scrum, it's easy to understand, but like Scrum, it's difficult to master. And he felt that he needed an eloquent, scale-free architecture where you scale Scrum by doing Scrum. And we'll get into that a little bit more because I, that, I think it's a very interesting concept. It's a very different approach yes. Um, but basically, you have a Scrum Master cycle with people that you scale up as the organization gets larger. You have a Scrum Master, and then you have a Scrum of Scrums Master, and a Scrum of Scrum of Scrums Master, up until an executive action team. And then with the product owner cycle, you have a product owner, a chief product owner, chief chief product owner, and this is what I love. At this level above that, you get a chief 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 product owner, which is C3PO. <laughs> <laughs> so any 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 scaling framework that has a Star Wars character in it, I think is fun. So that chief 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 product owner is C3PO. Yeah. Uh, and at the top we have an executive metastrum that owns the what. So the, the Scrum Master Cycle owns the how. How are we going to create this, this product? And the Executive Metastrum or Product Owner Cycle is all about the what. What are we going to create? So to be funny, where does Darth Vader fit into this? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm sure a lot of people are thinking about that, right? Yeah, Possibly. Yeah. <laughs> and then last of the four that I want to present is uh, SAFE, Scaled Agile Framework. And it was uh, created by and Dean has put a lot of thought into this. He has a very uh, agile approach to the scaling framework. And those of you who may have been uh, following the SAFE evolution, um, I was introduced to it at SAFE 3.0. We're now at 4.6. And each iteration, they have listened to companies that are using their framework and are applying the lessons that they learned. So they are very, very much receiving feedback yeah. from their customers and creating a better framework each time. I just had an interview with one of their product owners yesterday asking me, what do I like, what's not working for me? And so, you know, they really want to hear, how can we make our products better? They've been around since at least 2010. I, I think I should know that and apologize and skip, skip my brain, but they've been in business for a while and they have been working with large companies. Now they have expanded to Safe for Government and a lot of the government uh, uh, teams are using the scaled agile framework. I was at the SAFE Summit in Washington, D.C. last year, and there were a lot of representatives from, from the government. And I, as a taxpayer, was applauding this because we all know government works slow and the wheels spin very slowly. So anything we can do to help those government teams be more agile and to receive feedback and create a, what we really need, not what they had originally intended, but something that really works on all of that. So this is a really, really, really important caution. Some companies that I've worked with are doing everything right when it comes to scaling, and yet it's not working. They're not seeing the uh, increase in efficiency. They're not seeing acceleration in value delivery. 
Um, and it's because they don't have healthy scrum teams or healthy Python teams. It's at the team level where they really have the problem that they you cannot scale on a broken foundation. We all know what will happen if we're building the top. And that's why I like this, this uh, ground. You know, if you try to scale a broken system, it's not going to stand. So here are some things that you need to think about as you're scaling. And I really recommend you look at all the different advice there is about scaling. Don't stick to just one school of thought. How do we escalate or scale impediment removal? And this would be uh, something that a scrum master or a team can't remove at the team level. It's too big of a problem. Um, say uh, there's a, a requirement that you have uh, that is no longer supporting the value delivery uh, the best way possible. Oftentimes teams can't change those procedures or policies that are put into place by the entire organization. They need to scale this up. Like we used to have to do it this way because it was all manual and it was none of it was digital. Now that we're in this digital age, this procedure and process is no longer working for us. So they have to raise this somewhere. Somebody higher in the organization needs to champion this impediment removal. So we have to have a, a method for doing that. Uh, how do you do backlog refinement? You don't want teams all doing what they think is right with no cohesion above, with no guiding vision, strategy, alignment with corporate um, strategic themes. So that's an important thing. How do we how do we align in the work that we're creating so that we all create something that is what the company really wants. Um, how do we do planning? You know, how do we, that's one of the ways that we help uh, share the common vision of the, of the backlog refinement is in planning. How do we know what's the next thing to plan as a program so that then the teams know what is the next thing they need to plan? Um, and that's really important that teams have the priority from up in the, in the organization. Uh, someone leading the ship, right? Uh, SAFE uses a, the analogy of a train, which I kind of like, because everybody on a train is going in the same direction. And so if you think about your program as all being on a ship or some kind of vehicle where you all want to be going in the same direction and not pulling in different directions. And then how do we handle dependencies? Because invariably, you get two, three, 10, 20 teams. You try to set it up so that each team can do the work that they need to do, but there will always be dependencies. And how do we deal with that? How do we make sure that team A knows that team B needs their work at sprint three so that they complete something in sprint four? How do we how do we communicate that? So those are the things that I think are important to think about when you scale. And the way SAFE does it is they, they scale the scrum master through this uh, role called the release train engineer. Again, they use this analogy of a train. Everyone's on the train, so we need an engineer to help the train run smoothly. Uh, they do have roles above that, but I'm just going to show you the, the simplest safe uh, uh, construct, which they call essential safe. Um, so that's how they scale that role. How do we scale the backlog? Well, we have a product management team that is leading and guiding the product owners in creating uh, high-level work items that they call features. And then these features are decomposed into stories and the, the teams work the stories. So we have a connection between what the program sees as important that needs to be created and then what the teams are actually doing. 
Um, and then how do we align with our planning? They actually have this idea, which works well for some large companies, where we bring everybody together. And I mean everybody. It, it's kind of crazy. I've uh, coached quite a few of these uh, programming for planning events. And what they've decided is that planning at the sprint or iteration level is important, but we also need to have a longer range view. And so uh, SAFE has this idea of a, of a, sorry, of a technical roadmap where we are gonna, we're going to group our sprints into groups. And we're going to have an overarching plan for that. What is the value we want to deliver in this group of four or five sprints? And then we're looking at that increment and also into the next increment. So it's a, I, know, I know when we were first starting to adopt Agile, a lot of our hardware people especially were saying, well, what about long lead ends? If you're not looking far enough ahead, you might, you know, you might be surprised by something. And so SAFE provides the ability to do this with this programming plan. Um, I was on a large program and we weren't using SAFE, but I heard about this and guess what? We started doing this and it really helped. We actually delivered two weeks early, which is almost unheard of yeah. in the defense industry. Well, what's really important too is, you know, the synchronized cadence where all teams are synchronized to mm -hmm. where they start and they end on a sprint boundary. Um, I, I think that is really critical um, to, to enable this to work well. Yep. Right. And you know, the, there's so much value. When I first started at this, the large company I worked for, um, I thought that the hardest part of getting anything done was finding out who it is that I have to ask my questions of. Who do I need to go talk to to get this answer? And then, second hardest was finding time with that person. <laughs> because oftentimes they were super busy people. And you know, email doesn't work. So I got to, I got really good at notes on, on uh, computer monitors, and I, I always called it uh, Chinese water torture with a smile. <laughs> you know, I, I just was relentless. If I needed an answer, I, I would like stand at your desk. Can we do it now? Well, can we do it now? <laughs> so um, this program planning puts everybody in the same space for two days or one day, whatever you use, two days is what SAFE recommends, and I really believe that it's a good use of the time of all of the people there. You can go onto YouTube and uh, look at a video of a program planning event, and what you'll see is people going all around their way back and forth. You don't see teams staying at their own tables planning. You see communication and conversations going around the room, and I always ask people when I'm training them in this framework, I say, when do you think those conversations would have happened in the more traditional approach to management? And they always say, when something went wrong. I said, yeah. yeah, and that's already too late. Two weeks before the release. Things are broken. Yeah, yeah. So, so by having everybody come together, not only does it help with all those conversations, but people leave with this renewed sense of motivation. Of what is it we're creating? And you know, Raytheon, there, I told, I work for Raytheon, there we go. <laughs> she works for Raytheon. <laughs> their motto is that we're making the world a safer place. Yeah. Um, so we need to make sure our team members know this is the vision, uh, this is what we're trying to do. And um, I think it's, uh, who did Blink? Dan Pink. Dan Pink has a book about unlocking the intrinsic motivation of knowledge workers, which is what we have now. And it's mastery, 
autonomy and purpose. And the PI planning allows us to recenter on are we letting our teams get better? Are they mastering their craft? Are they getting better at it? Do the teams feel empowered and self-organizing? Are they able to figure out how are we going to do this work? And then the purpose. And oftentimes companies just forget about the purpose and they don't motivate their employees. And we get a chance to motivate people every 10 or 12 weeks and it's fantastic. It's a really, really great way to uh, pour energy back into the teams. I'm always looking at how do we energize our teams and programming the planning is definitely not but don't forget about the the innovation part of it where we get to do hackathons and uh, yes. i mean coding dojos i mean solve really complex problems yeah my thing safe is unique in that they yes. actually so any of you who know about queuing theory know that if you have a queue which is really what sprint planning is that you never allow to release uh like kind of like a pressure cooker that has the, the little thing that allows steam to escape you're going to get worse and worse and slow down and slow down and burn out your teams. And so SAFE uh, identifies a point in time where we can stop the relentless flow. Hamster wheel. Give people a chance, if there is work that leads into this innovation of planning sprint or iteration, they can actually get it completed. But we also give them a chance to do innovation, learning, automation, of learning the spikes, and then also we give them time to plan without having to be doing technical work at the same time. And if, if people have technical work and planning they need to do, guess what, guess what gets done first? Technical yep. planning sectors. So um, some of the issues that I've seen with SAFE that I think we need to be aware of is for very large companies, people at the top, you don't really give them the vision and the why, They'll say, oh, we can't afford to have everybody there for two days, and they shorten PI planning. And so what you end up with less effective planning, it's like going into battle without knowing what you're facing. And so, of course, you're not going to be able to ex execute as well. So I always say, why would you ever want to cut short your planning? We don't have time to plan. That sounds ridiculous, doesn't it? So uh, synchronizing the teams often only occurs at scrum of scrums. This is not built into SAFE. I'm saying if you follow SAFE the way they recommend, you're not going to end up in trouble. But oftentimes teams think, well, we, uh, we escalate attendance at the scrum of scrums event. And that doesn't happen daily. So sometimes they hold on to it and they don't they don't raise these attendance quickly enough. So we see a little bit of slowdown in removing uh, program level attendance. Um, we also find that there is not enough, it, you saw in the last diagram that there was actually a point where it says we need to do backlog refinement. It is included in SAFE, but oftentimes what I find is that teams forget about this and they don't do good backlog refinement. At the product management level, they also don't do great backlog refinement. So be aware of that. Are they doing things with the POs and and um, with the teams? Are the scrum master helping yeah, to coach that through? They don't realize that the PO sync needs to be backlog refinement. It's, it's not just how are we doing and looking at the metrics and are we on track at meeting our program increment goals. Yeah. It's also let's look at our backlog and get our features ready for the upcoming program increment planning event. They wait until the, the IP innovation to start doing backlog refinement. And I think two weeks or one week before you're going to go into plan, it's too late to do that. So the question is also is from your experience, 
the scrum master, who is an uh, agile team coach, you know, how are they helping to facilitate um, these events? Because these are obviously at the, the delivery level of scrum, the team level. So how are they helping to facilitate, or even the RTE at the program level, right. helping to facilitate these patterns? Because they're definitely built in to save. They are definitely yeah. built in. And the, the scrum masters and the release train engineers are the agile uh, conscience yeah. for the organization. But oftentimes, uh, what I find in practicality, which I always, when I train scrum masters, I make them hold a hand and vow never to take over any of the product owners' roles. What happens is that a scrum master, as a release train engineer, you know the things that need to be happening. And oftentimes, you don't have complete compliance with the product owner and organization. And so, a lot of times, they start taking on the role that really belongs to the product owner or the product management team. I see it time and time again with the scrum masters and release train engineers getting involved in the what and not just the how. And then what happens is that they're not able to get out ahead and realize, oh, I need to plan, I need to help my product owner schedule a backlog refinement meeting. Remember, the scrum master and release train engineer are responsible for facilitating the events. And they plan it too late, or they don't. Have, I always say, get your agile calendar a year in advance, rolling out. Always, you know, have this month's over, extend your agile calendar another month, so that you always have a year in advance scheduled out. But then there, nobody has an excuse. Well, I can't make it because I have another higher priority right. meeting. So I just, I'm warning people that this is a pitfall. I yeah. see this thing. So let's look at the Scrum and Scale framework. This is the newest one to come onto the. Playing field, um, and Jeff really waited. It was introduced in, um, I think, really early. I think I have a slide on that. Yeah. So let me just talk about this diagram, and it's been perfected as well. Some of you may have seen some of the early diagrams, and okay. And one of the things that we learned was that uh, they so they had a very clear scrum master the how cycle and the product owner the what cycle with clear um, uh, what they call components. And Scrum and Scale has inputs and outputs to find for each of these components in their scaling framework. Um, so it was introduced in 83, but it wasn't really, it wasn't released until February 2018. I was actually fortunate to be in that first class. It was chaotic, <laughs> but it was really fun to see something uh, being created. Um, it's easy to understand, but it's difficult to master. And it, we found that um, safe can sometimes be shoved into an organization from the middle out. So you can start and try to get your leadership on board and then work with your teams. Safe, uh, Storm and Scale really needs to start at the leadership level. You really need an investment leadership um, These are the icons that they use. The uh, Storm Master is the little uh, rust colored pentagon, uh, and the product owner is gold. And so as we scale, we are scaling by creating scrum teams of the scaling leadership. So as you have a group of three to five scrum teams, now you create what they call a scrum of scrums. And this is the confusing thing. At the scrum at scale, scrum of scrums is a team, not an event. It is uh, the group of scrum masters and a representative with the chief product you have a scale daily scrum, which is very different from SAFE. SAFE does not uh, dictate how often you have your scrum of scrums. Here we have a, a scale daily scrum, 
which you can tell is daily. And we have the Scrum Master and a representative from the chief product owners organization. Um, impediments are uh, bubbled up to the executive action team. It's called the EAT because they eat impediments. And so at each level, of, once you get uh, three or four scrum scrums, you're going to create another scrum team with representatives from those that's called the scrum of scrum of scrum. So it just keeps going up. Here's an organization with 19 teams. You'll see not all have a full five, five uh, teams inside. And each one of them has a product owner, meta scrum, we call it, and a scrum of scrums. And then it falls up to this executive meta scrum that's all about the, the what, and the executive action team is all about the how. Here's another look at how this bubbles up and how you scale it. Um, just really quickly, how the product owner scales up. And there's an important thing called the Metastrum Alliance meeting where they feedback back on your time and up at that higher level. They're able to talk about um, really important impediments and uh, technical uh, issues coming up. And this is just a chart for you to see as we have Scrum, how do we scale it up using Scrum to scale Scrum? And we're at the point where I open it up to just general questions. Any questions? Well, uh, just to let you know, I, I figured out how to go live. Um, so you've been live on on, uh, oh, so live. on Facebook. So, so this is my I've never been live on Facebook. So we have um, Alan Daly, who's a friend of mine, and so is Brian Whitehead, who's been watching. Alan Daly lives here in Arizona. So those of you watching, do you have any questions? For I don't know if they could hear us, okay. but I, I haven't set it up to be that way. Right. I, I just set it up just enough to make sure that we could experiment. This, this is the first time doing so this. As you were seeing this information, did, did any of you have an aha moment or, oh man, that's I want to try something or something that, that came up that, that sounded interesting for you? I just, I kind of lived that recently because I, I stepped into a company that was going through an enterprise transformation. Yeah, not just the business, but you know, IT, but the business too. Business, yeah. Yeah. It's pretty exciting to be involved in that. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, but it was interesting, a few months into it, they turned their focus off of coaching the delivery teams to go into the business because of the backlog situation, the project, you know, that they needed the requirements gathering and defining the backlog and creating the program increment and all of that. So did you have the same experience that I find that oftentimes organizations don't understand the amount of coaching that's needed? You don't just train people and then set them on their merry way, you know, because Agile is not a series of steps. It's something that you figure out as you go. You expect and adapt and you move closer to principles and values. And so we are all constantly saying we need more Agile coaches and they need to learn periodically at like Right. The assessment of the health of the team. Yeah. Right. And also to equip the teams to do some self-assessment mm -hmm. that we often don't do enough. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I exactly how the things that I've experienced. But there's a lot of energy in the whole enterprise transform. Sure. Of course. Yeah. Too, right? No, it's it's been fun. You
scaling agility since 2013 and it's it's been a pretty large organization so it's been pretty fun just to see the transformation take place yeah um, and it, it requires people to to be willing to try things yeah. you know let's try it what's the worst thing happen for two weeks or whatever we go off the rails but then we self-correct right yeah but it's also interesting to see the retreat after success and i've, I've seen that as well where teams organization gets to a certain point where PI planning is just comes, you know, it just happens, you yes. know, things are well planned, everything's running, you start integrating teams from all over the world to work well together, and then there's the retreat, we don't need to do as much planning anymore, we don't need to do PI planning, that's not so big, yeah. um, maybe we don't do retrospectives anymore, you just start to see the retreat taking place, it's, it's a human factor. Right. Entropy, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, human beings do it too, right? In, by nature, working out, <laughs> you, know, so, you know, that happens. Yes. Yeah. 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 So, if there aren't any other more, aren't any other questions, you know, what I like to say is like thank Barbara for, you know, give her a warm, yeah, give her a hand, you know, yeah, you know, for the, for the work that she's done today. Um, this is magnificent to be able to bring agility into Tucson in a community and, and actually make that work. Um, so what we're trying to do is to actually build an agile community here, thriving, working. You know, I started this a year ago after moving here from Southern California. And we would like to see if, if this will scale up, right, into having more people both online and people who come face to face. So, so that's the way this works. You know, you could be somewhere else in the world. If Barbara wasn't here, we maybe we would have had someone else presenting from somewhere else in the world in. Last month we had um, Allison and Noreen from Dallas. So we got perspective around American Airlines and improving. Um, next month we will be at 10 West Festival looking at, um, you know, what's going on with coaching. And so that's going to be in an actual, um, what do you call it? a woman's hackathon mm -hmm. you know ran run by the university of arizona so that's going to be another fun interesting perspective to try and videotape and stream and we're all welcome to attend all right so it's the same time but it's going to be over at uh, the tucson convention center so so that should be fun yeah, it's just just scale in this way to, to actually just try to build more exposure. And then November, we're back with trying to get that CIO, CTO forum. So if you guys know any CIO, CTOs who want to come and share with us, you know, reach out to me. I'm Dr. Dave at knowshare.org. And, you know, we would like to just have a great conversation taking place to learn about digital transformation strategies and how agility really enables that and, and the role that it plays. And with that, um, enjoy the rest of your Saturday because the rest of us, we're just going to stay here and hang out in Tucson. So we're, we're going to turn the cameras off and we're just going to have conversations. Um, and until next month, you know, be well. And we hope to see you again soon. Thank you, everyone. Hello, this is Dr. Dave Cornelius again. Thank you for listening. We hope you were able to add to your awesomeness journey with this learning experience to obtain new knowledge. We are grateful to those who support us. We would like to thank our sponsor, Knowshare, for the continued support for this podcast. Visit 
www.nalshare.org to achieve your awesomeness through agile coaching and training, digital transformation strategy, agile organization development, lean business startup, and diversity, equity, and inclusion coaching. Nalshare.org also provides online workshops for PDUs and SEUs to help you maintain your existing professional development certification and achieve new ones. We support lean thinking and agile life skills education through the Five Saturdays Agile Education Program. Visit www.the5saturdays.org to donate your time, money, and knowledge. That's www.5saturdays.org. Check out Dr. Dave's latest book, Prayers to My Abba Father God, on Amazon.com, a focus on prayer to enable spiritual growth. You will also find his books, Elastic Minds, What Are You Thinking? and Transforming Your Leadership Character, The Lean Thinking and Agility Way on Amazon.com. Look for the Nalsha with Dr. Dave podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and Google Play. The Nile Share with Dr. Day podcast is streamed on grokshare.com. If you have any questions for Dr. Dave, reach out on Twitter at Dr. Cornelius Info or at Nalshare. Copyright 2019 Nalshare. Until next time, find your awesomeness. <laughs>